I'm Glenn Robinson, and I've spent the last 30 years as a healthcare leader and overseeing large organizations. And before that, I was in the news business. And I'm Jacob Robinson, his son. I've spent the last five years building a business and learning lessons of leadership along the way. And this is our podcast, Chasing What Matters. On this podcast, we're going to interview leaders from all walks of life and hear their stories of successes and failures and what has made them become who they are today and how their faith and families played a role in their lives and leadership styles. During these interviews, we will be discussing things from business to politics, healthcare to nonprofit, and anything in between to find out how these leaders are chasing what matters in their work and personal life. So welcome to another episode of Chasing What Matters. Hey everyone, thank you for joining us for another episode of Chasing What Matters. I'm your co-host, Glenn Robinson. And I'm your other co-host, Jacob Robinson. Dad, I am so excited about today. Uh, This is a guy that uh, mentors me, encourages me, is a friend of mine. Uh, And then like we were talking about before the show, he's also a boss of mine. Uh, He's one of these crazy individuals that believed in one of these ideas that we had. And so... Uh, I'm thankful for him across the board. Uh, as um, we get to talk today, you'll you'll realize uh, uh, why he's such a, a good source of wisdom. Today on the show, we've got Ryan Kruger. He is the founder and CEO of Freedom Day Solutions, which is a management investment firm here in Houston, Texas. Ryan, welcome to the show, man. This is my pleasure. Um, I feel the same way about you guys. You y'all have an uncommonly good podcast, an incredible. Uh, group of speakers, listeners, and followers in y'all's world that I'm lucky to have listened to and now be a part of. Uh, it's my honor. It's all the hard editing work that I do uh, behind the scenes. Um, and so those of you that can't see our faces right now, that is complete sarcasm. Uh, my dad does everything. to make, <laughs> If this show sounds good, uh, it's because he does all the work. But uh, thank you for listening. Well, as we often tell so many people, the podcast is not about us. It's about our amazing guest. And Ryan, we're so honored to have you here. And we always like to begin uh, for our listeners. Take us all the way back to the beginning. Tell us where you're from and what growing up was like. Well, I, I have to correct you already. I hate to argue with the host, but it's a lot about y'all too. Father and son, pretty cool. I just got back from visiting my son who's a freshman in college. And the fact that y'all get to get together and intentionally share y'all's story is incredible too. So I'm lucky to be here. I'm, I'm a dad of five kids um, and I feel like the luckiest guy in the world just about every single day. Um, happened to be a business owner and started that, um, but the purpose of getting to share this and uh, spread good news and and good luck and affect other lives is what really gets me excited. So I grew up in Houston. Um, Jacob and I, you know, we're having breakfast and getting in deep onto all sorts of things. Nobody would have, I mean, we're hugging and I even broke a tear and people wouldn't have realized that's a Longhorn and an Aggie chopping it up, loving on each other. Um, And so (laughs) I, I didn't ever get too far from home. Uh, went to school in Austin and then started right away with, I don't know, I was one of those weird kids who always knew what I liked and nerded out with numbers. Um, and I, I, I tried to impress this upon my, now I've got two adult, young adult kids and hopefully the little ones at the dinner table listen too. When I look back and rewind the tape, I know I got lucky in finding something 
that I love, but I think a lot of these kids here, you know, follow your passion, find something you love. And it's probably something that Jacob, you and I had in common from, from the beginning is I actually think that advice is a little misleading, if not intimidating. I think you might want to find something that you like, that you're willing to struggle for. That's what these kids really like. What are you willing to struggle with? That's how much you like it. Cause the likes and the loves and the easy stuff tend to go down some crowded paths. And I didn't mind starting on an uncrowded path. I mean, I started in the mailroom um, on Wall Street um, and, and those that background and how hard it was. I love that part of my origin story. I didn't have any breaks. Um, so I started and I never left. I mean, I went from we won't interview you because you're too young for this industry to politely writing what I still refer to as a Hail Mary letter of, can I just come visit instead if you're not going to interview me? Um, another good piece of advice for young adults, apply for jobs that don't even exist. You want to go on crowded paths. And I was willing to start in the minimum and start in the mailroom. And I just learned and soaked and learned. And, um, you know, now kids want to talk about uh, <laughs> PTO and flexible schedule. For, for me, flexible schedule is you want to come in on Saturday or Sunday also. Um, and, and I look back and with nothing but unbelievable fondness and gratitude for that grind. And so I stayed at that what became largest global bank and brokerage firm in the world at the time to um, finally escaping to start our own firm with the playbook that I learned so well, which was sneak peek. It's really just eliminating a lot of those pages of unnecessary complication that Wall Street confuses and overcharges people with. And started our little firm here in Houston in 2006. And um, 27 years later, I feel like I'm just getting started. I'm, I'm on fire for it every day and helping people and serving people. Okay, so I, I want to go back. Uh, yes, you, you did go to the second best school in the state. And, and it, you know, it does afford you a good education. Uh, I'll, I'll give you that. Uh, but, but I, I, what, I, what I love about that story is, is, I mean, I really want people to listen. Walk us through, so you graduate UT. You, you say, I've got this, this job that I want up in New York, right? And, and they're saying, hey, listen, no way, no how. Walk us through literally what that was like. I, I love those, those stories. Well, don't worry. Austin and UT is turning a lot of us into Aggie parents and, and Aggie fans. And I, <laughs> I'm a, I, I love them both. Um, well, it's it's pretty easy because I have vivid memories of that. I sunk the majority of my savings into a Sears suit. And I can I just look good in that gray, thick, thick, <laughs> un oh, my gosh. And that, and I was ready, man. I, I was I was gonna go submit this um, this, this uh, to try to get the interview to apply for the job, and it was just it didn't even hurt or sting that bad. It wasn't that tragic in hindsight because it was just a real quick no. So, <laughs> and I mean the the funny barroom trivia that people enjoy about me to this day because I like to stay humble at all times, and we. We actually knocked down a little bar here on Westview. So it's barroom trivia every day around here for, to, to build our little building. Um, I The barroom trivia on me is I never had a resume. So I never got to submit a resume for a job I never interviewed for. And I never wanted another one. So to answer your question, I think there is something to be said about not having backup plans. I didn't want to go 
a different direction or didn't settle. So I just was going to be relentless. And somehow, some way, um, and, and we've had young folks start here the same way. It's like, I'll, I'll do it for nothing if, if possible. Now, I didn't quite have that luxury because um, I didn't have any, you know, family, mom, family money or cushion to fall back on. I did need to earn a little bit um, to pay for my <laughs> apartment on Westheimer, which I also tell my young people, it, what was the advantage you had? Did you have any lucky break? Well, yeah, I lived in a really, really crappy apartment that I hated to be at. And I didn't have any extra hobbies or I didn't want to go socialize on these fun. I, I went to work um, and I went recently to take my 21 year old daughter for her birthday. She said, I said, you can go anywhere. Let's go see any any show you want to anywhere in the country now to get paid for some of those lucky breaks. And she said, let's go see Seinfeld, dad. It's the first time I thought, oh, my gosh, I did something really right as a parent. If a 21 year old wants to go see 69 year old Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> And the best part of his bit that America needs to hear is how hard work and just going back to work. And it's kind of an uncomfortable topic for too many people these days. And they're afraid. And I would tell anybody, give yourself the permission to obsess at something if you might want to try to be good at it. And it's okay to work your tail off, especially early. So I didn't know any other way. So I just tried. And then I kept trying. (laughs) I love it. So, okay, so the, then walk us through like the incremental jobs, like the, the progression of, of that of that path. How I got out of the mailroom? Sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe well, you, maybe you just went mailroom to Freedom Day. I... <laughs> no, and, I, we, and we have posts on our site. I, I, I share it all. I'm an open book from, from day one. I started, I, I suggest anybody keep a diary. I'm, I'm lucky. I, I love writing stuff down to learn from it. Um, and I love reading and we have that in common. We're at breakfast and I see your diary and I'm like, yeah, another thing we have in common. And it's intentional and your schedule and writing stuff down and it's humbling. Uh, you, then you have something to go look back at, just like a playbook, right? What's working, what's not working. Um, so one of those, I, I'm, a, I'm still dressed nicely at that time and I'm loading these giant uh like scuba tank sized fill of whatever the environmentally insensitive carbon that they use yes. for, for Xerox papers back then. And I mean, I, you know, of course I would misfire a few times. So I look like a coal miner at the end of some days, more than a wall street executive, <laughs> which I was closer to at that point in fairness. Um, and so I, you know, I got on the training program, which was their easy way of saying, you know, 90% of you guys aren't going to make it. And if somebody sticks, it'll work out. And I would do anything there. It was um, humbling, grueling. And at the time, I, my only secret goal back then was I was going to learn and start with zero assets under management. I was given nothing. I would start a discretionary portfolio management system that could be tracked and then shared. If I was right or wrong, it was going to be clear. And the difference there in my industry, as opposed to putting assets into other funds or products where they would be blamed or given credit for as the advisor. I wanted to do it myself in-house, build and learn it. So we, I started managing as quickly as I could, little bitty individual stock and bond accounts for anybody that wanted to trust me. And my only oath, which is the exact same to this day, 27 years later, I'm going to show you where 100% of my money was you know, nobody knew that after the Sears suit, that might've been $600 to start with, um, left over. But 
it grew from there. And I, I still, to this day, manage at the core that exact same portfolio that I've just hum, humbly learned and gotten a little better at over the years. Brian, help us, uh, for those of us that are not in your line of work, um, I've been blessed to have a terrific person uh, that has helped me and Rhonda get where we are so that I could step away from uh, my job that I'd had for more than 30-something years. But help us understand uh, how you go about managing funds. Uh, and I know every instrument is different as to how you manage it and that sort of thing. But when you wake up in the morning, uh, tell our listeners a little bit about what's going through your head of knowing that you've got the responsibility of managing all these people's money and something just happened on Wall Street. Maybe it was a jobs report or another economic forecast or you know, earnings report of, you know, some blue chip stocks and all of a sudden things start to slide. What are you doing in the background? What are you, what are you thinking? How are you working? Well, I'm a big believer in repeatable operating system and disciplines for any business owner listening to this. I don't know why it should be that different in my business, but it is most folks, including professionals, to your point, are reacting to those things. And then the ones who aren't humbled quickly are trying to predict when they happen. I do neither of those things. I've never made a prediction. I've never made a forecast. I built a system where I remove all my opinions. So it is a mathematical repeatable system. So we have, and to start with, we have about half of our assets completely removed from harm's way to begin with. I like to sleep well at night too. So I have beautifully boring AAA rated boring Texas school bonds, for example, nothing can go wrong. And so no matter what happens, people that have worked their tails off should have some portion of their assets completely removed from harm's way. In my opinion, some people would say that's too conservative. I tell my kids before steak and chocolate cake, we're going to eat broccoli. It's just, it's how it works. Investments should be no different. We should have some safe assets. And then where I roll up my sleeves and if I'm good at anything is we believe in businesses that will give folks pay raises year after year in the form of dividend growth. So we've spent a couple of decades refining a playbook that is able to identify the highest quality businesses that will thrive regardless of those economic uh, updates and news and changes. And it's, it's a very different approach than owning thousands of businesses or hundreds in an index or funds. And we have a very, very concentrated portfolio of businesses that we know well that will be, give our stakeholders pay raises no matter what. So we've got safe income, we've got rising income, which will leave a little bit left over for, as Jacob mentioned at the beginning, somebody should have a little bit of adventure capital, as I call it, something they can speculate on. If it goes to zero, it's not going to change their life. If it doesn't, it might change other people's lives. So I have a little bit of adventure capital at the far end of that scale. And it is that simple. So those three sleeves, which instead of mo most folks have all sorts of different products and funds are trying to keep up with. So their client's anxiety is actually less than the professional's advisor's anxiety, if truth be told. I never wanted any part of that. I, th I think a simple playbook works for a lot of reasons. Like if we talk about SEC football, Jacob, those big thick playbooks on game day, actually, except for one in particular coach where the papers are flying all over the place, one sheet, one page is should be the simple repeatable playbook on game day, which is how I think the investment. So you wake up every morning. I think everything should be on one page. 
for anybody, sophisticated or simple or just starting. Let me ask you this, Ryan. If someone is getting ready to shop for a financial advisor to be added to their uh, family of friends because you need a good CPA, which is very different than a financial advisor. You need to have a good attorney on, who's always looking after things from a legal perspective. You need a good banker. You need, you need these people in, our, in, in your life. If you're shopping for a financial advisor, what are some questions that you would say, these are probably what you ought to ask him or her uh, in interviewing them and selecting a, a personal financial manager? It's a great question. And I've talked and written a lot about this. If I whittled it down, if I could only ask two, and I'd ask a lot, I'm a big question guy. I, I, I would ask, tell me about the last time you were wrong. Specifically, what are your cell disciplines when you're wrong again? And a definitive answer to that. And then if I only had one question, I would say, tell me where 100% of your own money is. Mm. I like that. I like that. I like that. That's good. And you deserve clear answers to both of those questions. Man, you're like that commercial. I forget, uh, what's it, uh, what's that investment firm? They're like, uh, I don't make, you don't make commissions? No, I just make money when you make money. Uh, Fisher Investments or whatever it is. Have you seen that? And some of those are awfully misleading oh, if you yes. know the other side of oh, some yes. of those. Yes, yes. <laughs> but, but, and some people say, hey, this, that, that, some of that stuff's too personal. I think business is personal. I want to know very personally, knee to knee, not only is there skin in the game, but I want to know them well. We'll have partners that we've worked for for two and three generations that just want to stop by and see the whites of my eye. Like, hey, I want to see how you're doing. I, I want to see... I want you and your team to outlive me in this plan. That's the other sad reality. A lot of advisors that are being interviewed are two or three years from their own retirement. Um, so I, I think everything is fair game. I think you should be able to ask any of those questions, in my opinion. But I'm a little odd because the, the, the best way I've ever learned to start a meeting in any business is let's all take our masks off. Because us gentlemen are not very good at that. The, the females in our lives that we rely on, have better relationships or better communicators than us. And the quicker we do as, as males, I'm just calling it like it is, the better we get at taking our masks off and communicating better and getting soft and getting real, where we also have a lot else in common. Um, as we learn very quickly, the, the better off we'll be. Um, and some people would say that is a little soft. Well, I'm very soft. If I'll crack a tear over breakfast with you, Jacob, I mean, I, you should, these, some of these meetings should get real personal. That's right. That's right. You know, s sitting here, you know, in your seat, it's interesting. Business owner, uh, advisor, uh, steward of people's money. If you're talking to a, a young entrepreneur out there wanting to start something, really, really anything, you know, a lot of things that I, I bounce up against, people go, oh, man, the market, the market's terrible right now. Why do you want to do anything? And yeah, that's such as a weird, broad statement to me. Uh, I feel like at different times you could always say that. Right. Um, and, and, and then, you know, um, man, it's going to be really, really tough. You know, do you really even want to work that hard? I mean, all, all those things you hear, right. Um, what, what advice would you give young entrepreneurs out there from, from the business owner standpoint of saying, Hey, listen, uh, you can work the mailroom all the way up. Like there's nothing, there's nothing, uh, that you, you, you shouldn't do, uh, to people that are combating, man, the world is crazy and I don't know what to do with money and banks and real estate, blah, blah, blah. If, you, if you're just trying to speak into somebody's life. Uh, that's wrestling with, man, do I, do I start this? Do I take this new job? Do I, 
venture out and, and move my family here, what advice would you give them? I think as we were talking about our kids before we hit record, it might be similar thread. If, if they've heard, or I think it works real well in the business playbook too. One thing most often for me, it would be dare to be different, um, which may mean standing out with faith to opening a business that nobody would consider doing. We, we have that in common too, right? Yep. Um, uncrowded paths are a close cousin to that. So in the business world, I see a lot more idea guys than I see operators. That took me a long time to learn. I, I thought and respected, and we all hear about the great entrepreneurial stories. Um, I give credit to my chief operating officer, um, a female who told me that, and it sunk in a while ago, hey, there's a lot of you idea guys out there. There's very few of us operators. And she is right. And she is more valuable because she is rarer, simple supply and demand. Um, so finding uncrowded paths and then specific to businesses that I find most appealing, whether it be starting a business or in the stock market, it's very similar. Um, I like solving problems more than I like making products or services. It's significantly more profitable and longer lasting and defensible, and there's fewer people competing. I mean, go find a problem to solve. Don't, you know, one of my favorite examples, we do a chart book every year, is a lot of kids and young people are attracted to, and I'm not a car guy, so full disclosure, but you know, that there's the Teslas, dreams of owning those, or as I'll show my interns or the chart book at the end of the year for any investor, what about the, the guys behind the scenes that are doing the paint or the sealant? to all the cars that have actually outperformed Tesla. Yep. Little, little bitty company right here in Texas. There's so many examples like that. Or the, the you know, beautifully boring, gritty jobs that nobody wants to do. You know, when you're installing a new HVAC system and you're agonizing over what it costs, be on the other side of that. Stake some of those businesses. Like everybody wants to talk about tech and software. I'd rather own an HVAC manufacturer. It's been around a hundred years. And <laughs> there's or, very or few- Or a commercial cleaning company, right? Indeed, brother. I was when I, when I was at an install of one of those recently, I got an elbow and this lady says, you see her over there? And she goes, she, she's a lawyer. She graduated law school and she realized she'd be better off doing iron work. She's doing fences now and making three times what her typical law class peer would do. I love those stories and I love kids and young people and old kids and big kids that would consider daring to be different and going down those uncrowded paths. And because they're less crowded, they can offer more upside because that's how price works. I love that. Brian, you're far along in being a dad and a husband. How have you balanced the demanding work that your field can often be all consuming? And how have you found time to make sure that you're doing it right from a father and a husband's perspective? Well, saving your best energy for, who matters most. I mean, I've said this, I've written this, um, and it's easy for me to talk about and get humble when I say everything I'm about to do, the entire plan, all the complexities, as much as people like to talk when they come see me about the investments, I will tell them right off, mask off, the most important part of any plan or business is who you're with, period. Um, so those people mean everything to me. As much as I'm on fire for this business, I race to get home because dinner 
is sacred. I think they're going to learn more and I'm certainly going to love more spending that time machine around than they will ever learn in school. And selfishly, I, I, I get my biggest grins there too. And Jacob, as you and I talked about saving a little extra time to go coach them when they're young and, and might want to try a sport. Um, I was lucky and, and, you know, everybody has their version of success. Any version of success to me is if you have enough time to be able to do exactly what you want, when you want, not wait for it later to be able to, to go home and coach and see and hug on and love on them at any time, no matter how early that meant I had to wake up. That's my version of success. Never missing one of those. Um, when, when that son graduated, my graduation gift to him was, I kind of just for me again, as a diary, I wrote down some of those thoughts. Um, and there's a couple of Bible verses on every one of those pages. I wrote a kid's book as my gift to him. Um, and you know, if his younger brother reads or, or ends up liking football, he might like some of those pages too, but it was kind of a way to jot down what I've learned from them. Um, for, you know, I've got from 21 to 10 and I'm still learning. I feel like we're just getting started. And the amount of positive energy I get from them, I mean, people say their families or their jobs. I mean, it's draining. If you got the right families or jobs, it's energy filling. And so I'm literally screaming every day out the door, let us attack this day with relentless enthusiasm, unknown to mankind every single day. Um, and I'm lucky. You know, I, yes, uh, the energy and, and the optimism, right? Like, I feel like, and this is probably a broad, maybe even incorrect statement. I feel like that's not the world we live in, right? Uh, let's let's watch the news. Let's get depressed. Let's think about all the wrong things. Let's think about why they're awful and I'm great, or or, or you know, the whole world's going to hell in a handbasket. Blah blah blah. And and the the mental shift of going, no, it's a great day. Like God created today. Like it's a great day. Uh, is is huge and that, that helps in, in business right I mean I, I talk about that all the time with people uh, I say there's two versions of Jacob pre pre pierce getting sick and post pierce getting sick right and and that that goes into every aspect of my life but especially in business man pre pierce getting sick we're stressed we're, we're worried about losing account now losing account yeah that stings there's another account to go find it's a good day right like we all still have our jobs the company's still around like we, we are it is a good day uh, because there, you realize there's bigger things in life. Right. And, and rather than getting fixated on, on those things, uh, you know, so I was, I was at lunch today and I heard an interesting stat. Um, and as all stats go, I have, again, no way to back this up. It's what he said. So we're going we're to take his word for it. He said, by the time your kids graduate high school and wherever they go from their college life, whatever it may be, you have spent 90% of your time with your kids. The rest of your life will be that that last 10%. That, and that's crazy. I mean, you think about it, you go, well, yeah, that makes sense. You're living together until they're 18, 19, 20, whatever it is. But 90% of your time is during that time frame. Now, there are probably some interesting statistics with people moving back home and, and that kind of stuff these days. But uh, we'll, we'll leave it at that for the, the sake of the, the question. The, the struggle that I feel, I know my dad felt it. Uh, I know you felt it. I've got three young kids, eight to four weeks. Uh, and, and the struggle I feel of going to build a business, going to build something for our family, going to, uh, conquer the day, right. Requires that last week I needed to be out of town and tomorrow I got to be out of town. And then next week I need to be out of town and I can minimize what those look like. I don't need to be gone for a week, right. I can be gone for one night or whatever, maybe. 
how, how would you encourage and, and that that's not just like a i mean that, that i'm not sure that's just because you got a young kid thing you you experienced that probably when you had 21 year old right and how do you what, what advice would you give to people out there all ages and say hey listen i want to go conquer the world i want this job to work i want this company to succeed i need to give it my all however i need to go home and see my kids how, how do you that that tension how do you how do you coach people through that well i think this quest and i'm afraid anxiety fueled work-life balance that people especially younger folks are, are are worried about am i am i achieving that and how do i get more of that and i'll take a controversial uncrowded daring to be different path i believe in work-life imbalance and i guess what i mean by that is i'll never forget was it was kirby puckett's world series was it 84 or 87 i think and I know you're a baseball guy. And you won another a little one against young, the Braves, unfortunately. Little younger than me, but I just, he had like boundless enthusiasm. I was a big fan of his and warming up before the game, I'll never forget the t-shirt he wore. And I kind of adopted this work hard, play hard. So wherever you are just being there, I think is the ultimate test as opposed to trying to coordinate and schedule and or if, if you're there at work, and when you're there at home being on fire for that moment. Um, and as you opened that question, what we share in, in I think the probably the most undersupplied resource in the world is positive energy. So taking care of yourself, taking care of your business, taking care of your family. So you have positive energy when you are around them is huge. Um, and, and not, I mean, I think, I just, I, I believe it. We get one ticket to this game of life and they're all going to have, I, and I think the, the winner is determined by who has the biggest memory banks and not just you, but everybody you touch in effect, because then it will outlast you and it'll be exponential and they'll share. So in the end, it's really not going to be what you said or where you were and what you think you taught them. But as I've learned, it's really what they caught, what they observed, what they felt. Um, and so just bring in, bring in your A game when you blow through that door or, or in the morning, no matter what time it is and making that count. Um, I'm not perfect. I'm, I'm still learning. I, I want to get better. I ask them what we do better. Um, but I don't think, I think especially now, kids seeing parents that are working hard also and not too available or there all the time, that isn't always a bad thing. And, and if then they get your A game with the same energy when you're with them, um, that's that's the only thing I know. That's that, that's my playbook anyways. Ryan, I really like what you said. Work hard, play hard, Kirby Puckett. Um, I, uh, and I think we may have talked about this on a previous podcast, so listeners, please forgive us. But this is an article uh, written by Rachel Hollis that I quote a lot to my clients when they ask about work-life balance. And I think sometimes we have this word picture in our mind of this perfectly balanced seesaw that we've got the work thing and the life thing, and it just stays in perfect harmony. And her article is called Myth Busting. And she said, that's just not real life. She said, the secret to true work-life balance is allowing that seesaw to, to pivot and to move back and forth so that some days work just has to win. 
uh, the report, uh, you know, has just got to get done or the business trip just has to take place. Some days work is just got to win. She said the key is making sure that you're guarding that family time to make sure that family time wins on other days. Leave work for that play at school. Leave work in time to make it to the ball game. And, and I think that uh, uh, she said it best. And you were talking about positive energy. Uh, describe the picture behind you to our listeners that we were talking about earlier. Your wall is decorated with beautiful artwork uh, by your daughter. But in the middle of that is a cartoon of Winnie the Pooh. And, and tell our listeners what that says, because I just love that. Well, Winnie the Pooh, um, I, like to, I like to be reminded every day. He said, what day is this? Pickett says, it's today. And he said, oh, that's my favorite day. My and favorite. I, I really, and I'm lucky because my job affords me, I, I, I love not knowing what's about to happen. And I love uh, <laughs> walking in and thinking that way. Um, and I love running home and wondering what I'm going to learn to. Um, and, and yeah, that, that, that today is my favorite day. I love that. I love that. All right. Before we get to the rapid fire questions, tell our listeners about your podcast and where people can listen to the show. Um, well, I don't know anything about how to do that. What's I barely will, will be able to, I have, <laughs> I have a much younger tech savvy team that helps you're, with you're that. like me but reverse right like you have no idea how to do it but my tech team is slightly uh older and i didn't do it slightly. for years slightly. and it was finally at the suggestion of some partners that said hey i don't want to do deep dive read all the stuff that you guys are working on and research and sometimes you're, you're a little too much <laughs> energy for me you talk too fast what if we could just eavesdrop for 30 minutes a week on what y'all are talking about thinking about reading working on writing um so it's mailbox money show um, with Jackson Wood and Ryan Kruger. Um, we set up, and I'm a little jealous in the summer, we set up an office for him. He's in Idaho, um, and he runs that show from there. And he peeks in here uh, once a week, and we chop it up and talk about the most complex and confusing items on Wall Street, everything to what we're doing as dads and, and uh, how we're dealing with the real reality, which to your earlier point, I don't think is so bad. I mean, everybody, if, if we get a return to real reality, which the economy affords us every once in a while, real reality is pretty darn good, in, in my opinion. Um, so we, we, we enjoy sharing it all there and talk about some of those beautifully boring businesses. Um, so I appreciate you asking. Yeah. And to our listeners, we'll have a link uh, to that show in the show notes below. I highly encourage you to check it out. Uh, I have been blessed uh, by listening to it. So please, please check that out. Now, uh, Ryan. As always, before we let you go, uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this with, with you. Uh, we're going to run you through our rapid fire. Uh, we're going to keep getting a little bit more nuggets of wisdom from you. Uh, and so, Dan, you want to fire away with the first one? You bet. Ryan, best advice and worst advice you've ever received. Best advice, worst advice. Best advice is if you're going to have a goal, it should be to never finish. Um, remain curious, never be convinced. Uh, worst advice. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> any, any efficient, quick shortcut, including some wonderful technology, I'm sure I, I, I would much prefer the long cuts and playing the long game. So I, I'm against any shortcuts or quick fixes. I like that. 
Who are the most influential people in your life? Well, we talked about the six of them I'm lucky to share a home with. Um, my business hero, um, speaking of business owners, I don't even think I, t- I, you made me cry. I might make you cry if I tell you this story. Started with $53 in San Antonio with a push lunch counter, um, turned it into a cafeteria um, and did it all completely blind because of who he was with, my grandma. Oh, wow. wow. Oh, man, I got chill bumps. Yeah. Well, and that may uh, play into this, uh, but considering your profession, this is going to be a great answer, I think. When was the last time you took a risk, and how did that work out? And you can't say investing in one stone because that was just a smashing success, so don't. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, I was... I was asked this actually every day all the time um, is the real answer. But when I was asked this recently, I, last week I was at a conference with some young advisors and that's when you left Wall Street and escaped and started with nothing, how did you do it? And all the, and I, I look back and rewound the tape and I didn't have a very good answer for them because I should have been worried about all sorts, especially as a young family. Um, and I just n- never considered the risk, which was enormous for me at the, if, and I guess this would be advice, if you feel so obligated to share a better solution, that there are no other options, there are no other outs, and you do burn the boats, and you, um, that's how I handle risk. I don't know if that answers your question, but that that was a, a, a big giant risk, and um, I avoid all the other ones because, and it's, the reason I struggle with that is I, I'm a big believer in cell discipline. So if there's any investment or risk that none, we could be talking here right now. And if I make a mistake or if there's a problem, it's automatically completely handled. I, I don't include my decision making. I'm a big believer in cell disciplines or stop loss orders, not just with stocks, but in life too. Interesting. I like that. Give, give us a, give me, give me an example of that. Well, the stock market's easy. Like I will not lose more than fill in the blank. You make your decision to sell before you buy. Got it. Okay. And in real life, um, instead of saying I need a new pair of blue jeans, I stop eating dessert. I like that. There you go. It's, That's it's hard. One of, it's one of those uh, where you go, whoa, that was mind-blowing and not that mind-blowing all at the same time. And I'll give you another simple hack. Like Again, like we're obligated for this, all this anxiety we give ourselves and balance. Like when you start a bad book and we got to finish, no, stop, stop. throw it away. <laughs> start a new one. My goal is to read as many books incomplete as possible because the good ones I'm going to dive into. I like that. All right. Well, that makes me feel much better about my book collection I've got uh, in the bedroom <laughs> uh, that are the vast majority is not completed. I'll tell Melissa, I just keep buying books and blame you. Um, tell us about something uh, or describe something that you learned from your parents, grandparents, anybody in that, in that world. Hard work and unconditional love. I mean, my dad grew up dirt poor on a farm in miles, Texas. Um, he said, if you believe in somebody, they'll show you why. And boy, have I thought about that as a dad and a business owner, as a coach, instead of correcting him, no, believe in him first and then see what happens. Watch out. Yeah. You almost choked me up. I almost got you. I almost got you. 
<laughs> this oh. next question is not going to get you choked up, I don't think. If it does, I'm intrigued. Uh, but but, but I, don't, I think we're safe here. Yeah. Ryan, worst job you've ever had. Worst job you've ever had. Well, I shared with you my dirty little secret. I've never had a resume, so I've never changed jobs as an adult. Now, I think what's missing in all these young advice, people need to start working when, I, I mean, I'm guessing we had this in common too. I've had a job every summer since I was 12 years old. Among those early worst jobs, which I'm so grateful for because it makes you want to work inside an air-conditioned building later on in life, I was a horrible, horrible ditch digger. Um, thankfully, I was so bad at it and it was so awful that I quickly was pivoted into a, a van driver for that operation, um, which I also wasn't very good at. I scratched up the, the side a few times, one of those giant long vans. I'm still not a great Parker to this day, but one of those giant vans. And that was, that was thankfully, and we all need more worst jobs. We, I mean, you watch how us former servers treat a wait staff or somebody cooking or washing dishes. It's just a whole different experience for the rest of your life once that happens and the impact you can make. So all of us need much more worse jobs, I think. That's good. Uh, speaking of incomplete books, what book are you reading right now? Um, I just started rereading it. Uh, you'll, you will love it. Junk to Gold. Ooh. about a gentleman who lived in a trailer on a salvage yard and who is one of the most successful business people I know. And I'm an investor in his company, which is phenomenal lessons for any investor. All right. Come on. Dismantling cars. I love mm. that. All right. Probably going to look it up as soon as we get done with this. It's all in the know, all in the know. Hey, Ryan, uh, how about the best book besides the Bible, best book you've ever read your entire life? That is my favorite operating system playbook book. Um, and I, gosh, I hate to disagree with you again, but nothing can, not one comes to mind. I just, I'm a big collector. I mean, there's hundreds. I can't pick one besides that one. Um, I'm hoping when it gets published, it's going to be the only one I've ever written, but it, that was for others. Um, which is going to be LIFT, which stands for Love is Fiercest Together. You guys will each get a copy of that. Um, but I'm going to stick with that one you said was off limits. That is my favorite. Wow. I like it. I like it. And, and within the 66, favorite book in the Bible. Oh, my gosh. I've got a collection of – that's a, that's a hard one that I can't quite answer. The, the one – the verse that comes to mind is, and to, to start and end each day that I guess we most have in common um, as a business owner and family heads of households is Galatians 6, 9, never growing weary of doing more good. I think we even talked about that at breakfast, Jacob, we, we will again. And I'm continuing to learn and I'm continuing to find more adventures in there. And it's one to never put down and to dive into again this week, um, which I will. Final question. What's next for Ryan? Well, I, I can honestly say this. I just, so I just turned 50 and I feel like I'm at halftime and I cannot wait for the second half. I, these, these folks that get, get afraid of older years or numbers. My gosh, I'm, um, I can't wait to do it all bigger and better and share with more people 
see if we can go change some more lives together. And, um, you know, move, you know, when you're a business owner, especially a small business owner, the most wonderful pivot that could possibly happen is, and I took my name off the door as I thought that was the best day a small business owner could ever have. And it is a cool day. And there's a lot to be said for that. There's pride and there's accountability. I found a better day, which was taking your name off the door, attracting more people and affecting their lives and their families. And now it's more about them and their legacies. And that really gets me on fire to do it even more and better for them. And we have, you know, all of a sudden, even though as I'm going to, as anybody watching this, we remain ageless beauties, the three of us, no matter what. But as people that we serve get a little older, we got two and three generations of folks now. That's pretty darn cool. Um, and to be able to go talk to a eight year old or an 80 year old, a hundred year old or a 10 year old, man, that lights me on fire. Um, and, and, and to help and, and share that open playbook of what I've learned, I'm only going to learn more. And as long as we stay humble, we can share and learn more together. I love it. I love it. Ryan, uh, dad, you can see why I was looking forward to this, uh, episode. So man, thank you so much for being on the show today. It was, it's an honor. Always sit down and talk to you. Thank you for uh, sharing your wisdom with us. That is a gift. I'm glad to be here. Love what you guys are doing. Thank you to our listeners. Thanks uh, for tuning in. We're going to have the links to uh, Ryan's show mailbox money uh, in the uh, show notes below. So make sure you check that out. We'll also have a link to freedom day solutions. Uh, so make sure you click on those links. Great stuff. Our guest today, Ryan Kruger, founder and CEO of Freedom Day Solutions. We really appreciate you being here. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in today. Hey, make sure that you subscribe, share our podcast with others, and follow us along on our Instagram account. And until next time, keep chasing what matters. Music